Uh, just got home from work. About to record an episode of the podcast. Let me crack open racefans.net. Oh my god. Did somebody call for some potassium? Welcome back to Motorsport 101. In the background, we should have Cam just shouting, Chug, chug, chug! <laughs> as, kid, as, kid, as kid goes through his 13th banana. <laughs> Hi, like, everybody. Whoa, that was not the deal. <laughs> That's, this is not a democracy, no, King. No, as, chug. It, as it has turned out, all the uh, all the bananas were taken off the shelves. <laughs> just in case. Hi, guys. I'm Andre Harrison. Welcome to episode 218 of Motorsport 101. And, uh, whew. We have a humdinger of a breaking news story that dropped literally an hour ago. Like, this is the nature of recording podcasts. You, the, the, the time taken to produce and edit and upload them, sometimes news gets lost in the shuffle. We fucking nailed this one. <laughs> we couldn't have gotten this any more perfect if we tried. Go us. It's about time the journalism gods smiled favourly on us. Um... So we'll get into that in just a second, but introducing first, um, I'm a, I'm impressed he's still here after his New York Jets took a colossal pounding on Monday. Hello, Ryan. Uh, I mean, can't wait for the Knicks to start their season. They can't disappoint me this badly, right? Well, to be fair, how, how high is your standard at this point? I mean... We start our season tonight against the San Antonio Spurs. How bad can it go? Oh, they're, they're losing by 25. Can't wait. Um, Only 25. I thought, uh, look, he's had a hard weekend. I'm, I'm having some mercy on him, okay? Uh, I, I have empathy. <laughs> and in the corner, taking RJ spot for the week once again. His rent was on time. Cam Buckley, hello, sir. Hello, everyone. My condolences, King. <laughs> that was an unholy clobbering on Monday, wasn't it? Oh, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> oh, oh, that. <laughs> guys, I guys, I swear, if it looks like the brake bias is changing and I'm not touching the wheel, everything's normal, I swear. There's a paddle underneath the wheel, honest. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. More on that very, very shortly. Um, because again, we have a massive breaking news story to get to. So I'm not going to waste too much time um, in this intro section just saying, hey, that main event story is at the top of the show very, very shortly. We'll also be talking about MotoGP and the tamest Japanese Grand Prix maybe ever seen. Um... We'll dissect um, a weekend of the little things in MotoGP as Mark Marquez went to double digits for the year with his 10th victory of 2019. Um, and yet more history being made by uh, the, little, the little man who can. Um, as Honda take their 25th top flight constructors title as well. Um, and an over-celebration from the Fabio camp. I, I have issue with this. I will get to this later. Dre um, has... Beef! Call forth <laughs> beef! 
More on that later. And we'll be breaking into the news as well. There'll be a shop departure in the Red Bull Driver Academy department. Um, Formula One is going down with the kids as it streams on... Uh, Ninja's former platform, shall we say. Uh, we'll be talking about Scott Redding, which is always a fun time. Fight Club is back! Well, that should be Fight fun. Club. Um, <laughs> F1 has been vetoing shit, and we'll have a quick look at the W Series Grid 4 Season 2. Um, but places you can find this real quick. Um, so, we're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Um, we're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to f- uh, follow us on our personal handles, you can at Ryan Eric King, at, um, at Cam Buckley, my 17, minus the vowels, and at Harrison101HD. For those asking about RJ, he's seen some family this weekend. He's got the week off, bless him. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> but he, could... He's so lucky not to be here right now. <laughs> oh, he'd be dunking on you so hard right now it'll be great um, he'll be back next week don't worry about that uh, so shout out to RJ you can follow him on Twitter at, at RJ O'Connell tell him we said hi um, that'd be fun for all involved um, and if you really like us you can back us financially on Patreon patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 $5 gets you early access to all of our shows $10 gets you into the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they go out. Shout out to Vic, Henry, Jason, James and Charles all for tuning in and listening into the show. Uh, much appreciated. Thank you guys for coming. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Have a good one. And you can find all of our details and all of that on our website, uh, motorsport 101 .com. Um, so yeah, fun times for all involved on there. Right. Without further ado, we'll take a quick musical break and then we'll get into the main event of the evening. Renault chucked out of Japan. It's as painful as it sounds. <laughs> Renault are gone. <laughs> King, you're not deaf and potassium poisoning yet? No? Nope. Nope, nope, nope. You're still here somehow. Um, guys, we're going to cut to the chase here. Renault's been disqualified from the Japanese Grand Prix. We kind of hinted at this <laughs> on last week's show that uh, they were under investigation um, on, due to Racing Point lodging a protest regarding their, uh, their alleged brake bias system. Well, turns out it wasn't quite that, but there was still a technical infringement, and that means they've been disqualified from the Japanese Grand Prix results. So, King, tell us more. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. So, after a formal investigation, it was found that Renault's brake bias system was not in violation of the technical regulations, but they were in violation of the sporting regulations because they were deemed to be driver aids. Uh, the FIA noted in their, in their published decision that, yes, a disqualification is 
the harshest penalty they've ever given for this specific violation. Because right. back when this was introduced, uh, driving the car alone and unaided, usually the penalty was for uh, driver coaching over the radio. Mm. They've, they've noticed that this kind of infraction is way worse than driver coaching over the radio. That's why they handed out a race disqualification. In effect, what this is, is something that does not break the technical regulations, but what it does breaks the rules against driving aids. Yes. Yeah, so you're telling me this is somehow worse than Nico Rosberg being told to avoid fifth gear? (laughs) Somehow. (laughs) Yeah, after considering the information... Judge the stewards judged that while Renault's braking system was not preset lap distance dependent, as alleged by Racing Point, they ruled it nonetheless constitutes a driving aid and is therefore not in compliance with Article 27.1 of the FIA Formula One sporting regulations. That's a paddling. Oh, that's a paddling, and as a result, they have been disqualified from the result in Japan, which bumps. Charles, the, the big one is it bumps Charles Leclerc up one spot, which very nearly meant we'd have to take the Constructors' Championship back off Mercedes for a weekend. Um, <laughs> um, afraid not. Um, there is 176 points available. Mercedes now have a 177-point championship lead. So the one-point margin of error came through in the end. And so just, just so we're clear, I'm just going to read out where the FIA specifically says that this is a driver aids. Because, like, a lot of people I've mm-hmm. seen, a lot of the instant reaction was like, if if the car is technically legal, why is having the system illegal? And the FIA made it clear in the decision, quote, however, although legal under the FIA Formula One technical regulations, as noted above, the stewards find the Renault system constitutes a driver aid and is therefore not in compliance with Article 27.1 of the FIA Formula One sporting regulations, which requires the driver to drive the car alone and unaided. The brake balance adjustment system in question acts as a driver aid by saving the driver from having to make a number of adjustments during the lap. Stewards note that here the clear distinction between this system and one which provides actual feedback control, which would be a substitute for driver skills or reflexes. Mm. Nevertheless, it is still an aid and therefore contravenes Article uh, 27.1. Yeah, and this ruling, of course, means that Ricardo loses his 6th place finish and Hulkenberg loses the point he scored in 10th. Yes, and uh, things could still change from this recording because... Reno can still protest by tomorrow, which which is Thursday morning, for those listening in the future. But based on how Reno, you know, tried to defend their defend themselves, it doesn't seem like they're gonna get out of this one. Yeah, because what what case could they possibly present now? What what Reno effectively is they didn't claim that this system didn't exist they claim that it fit into the regulations only as we just read off to all of our listeners it clearly breaks the regulations absolutely slam dunk Um, and this is not the the only disqualification that could come of this because if the FIA investigates and starts going back through the races oh it could get nasty real quick yeah because 
uh, I'm going to bring up briefly in the future, bring up uh, how there's no conclusive video evidence. But if they do find video evidence in the Japanese Grand Prix, it can match it to footage in previous races. Renault are screwed. Yeah. Oh, oh, are we talking potentially a, a total season disqualification? We may be talking the classic Tyrell 1985. Yes. Because uh, Renault, well, the FIA summed up Renault's argument in the document under four points. One, Renault did not use a lap distance dependent, dependent brake bias adjustment system. Yes. Two, the brake bi- the brake balance indicated on the dash display may change due to the operation of a specific Renault system as described in a supplementary document which was not shared with Racing Point due to the intellectual property contained there uh, therein. Three, there is no conclusive video evidence. However, Renault does not dispute the possibility of a change of brake bias on the dash display without the driver's physical input. Um, what, oh. would, what would you call that, King? Would you call that a driving aid? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a driving aid to me. <laughs> Sounds like a driving aid. And the last point, four. Racing Point could not produce any conclusive video evidence. Racing Point have have speculated the use by Renault of a the, the use by Renault of a prohibited system based on allegations from a former Renault employee who was not aware of all the pertinent details of Renault's brake control system. Snitches. Yeah. Like, so did, I mean, Racing, so did Racing Point have a mole on the inside? Is that, <laughs> I, I guess someone who used to so. work at Renault snitched, basically. Basically, yeah, somebody at Renault knew the existence of the system. They don't work at Renault anymore. Uh, don't know if they work at Racing Point now, but somehow Racing Point got a hold of this information, and uh, the FIA was able to dig up enough information and. Racing Point produced enough information to prove that this system did in fact exist. Are we going to find out it was so, a very tall German who's out of a ride next year? <laughs> mm, maybe that's what was actually in Scott Dixon's folder during the Indy 500 when uh, Pagano bribed Dixon's daughter at the 500. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh dear. Oh. If, if, again, if if this goes deeper, if they can match footage, if they can splice this up, basically we could be talking a, a, a total disqualification from the season here. Like that's so, off the table. Also, it's not clear when this employee left Renault. Like this could have been on the car for a number of years. Oh, oh God, oh. no! <laughs> <laughs> like, like it would make they didn't clarify how X. Was this Renault employee? <laughs> oh my god. Because this could have just been the convenient race where they were able to get enough information to prove that this system existed uh, independently of this Renault employee. And can, uh, I love that James just put in the Discord. Jo- oh. I, I, love this, I love that James put in the Discord. Jolian Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> I could actually buy that too. <laughs> Are we gonna like get? A, are we gonna get a column about the the political situation of this? We'll have a video on the F one YouTube. <laughs> but channel. it was me, Jolian. Oh my god! And also, we should also remember that uh, 
Endstone kind of has a history of this kind of thing. Big, long history that goes back 25 glorious years. Yeah. <laughs> Not mm. even that far. Just think uh, Frick's suspension. <laughs> think Mass Damper. Oh, God. It goes on. <laughs> and keep in mind, oh. this Renault is still worse than, uh, you know, the customer Renault team that's been whooping yeah, their ass all it's year. It's still worse than both the previous Renaults that we just mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Both they previously mentioned and is currently slipping down the Constructors' Championship and falling behind In fact, in that Constructors' Championship, I believe this disqualification, pending them being tossed out for the whole season, leaves them only six points ahead of Toro Rosso and ten ahead of Racing Point. Toro Rosso, Racing who's Point that is... getting Racing Point fighting to fight outside the track. And this, I, uh, as if it wasn't guaranteed before, this basically seals McLaren as fourth in the Constructors. Yeah. Yep. Call it that. That that's that. You can call that one. That race is over. Um, uh, like now, now Lando Norris and Carlos signs have to marry each other. Now that's the rules. Um, and the internet goes wild again. <laughs> oh lord! But, uh, but yeah, I, I I do think the FIA. So the the stewards themselves in their decision posted a list of four questions were. Just the fact that they were able to prove the system existed just brought up even more questions in their own minds. Yeah. <laughs> Where, uh... Okay, so question one. Uh, did Renault use powered devices to alter the brake system configuration other than the ones specified in the technical regulations that are allowed for the brakes? Mm. Two. Uh, how... Pretty much the question boiled down it to how automated was the system? How little input did the driver actually had to put in? Right. Three. Uh, three. Uh, was was the system con- controlled only through the car? Was it a setting that you could put it like pretty much? Uh, I, I can see where they're getting at with the question, where it's like, uh, did Renault use uh, their car-only buttons to affect the, the driver controls? Meaning that, say, before the race start, when the car is still connected to a physical computer, could someone change settings on the car through the computer before the race start? Oh, God. And then for their ultimate question... Those, like, the ultimate question is pretty much boiled down. Does the driver drive the car alone and unaided? Mm. Uh, which, again, they also bring up the, the the definition of alone and unaided is provided in not only the sporting regulations, but the power unit management document, which also brings up a lot of other questions about the legality of the Renault. Oh my god, like... <laughs> Well, how big is the can of worms potentially unlocked here? Like, Jesus, like, they could have they could like, have been running illegal brake system, illegal power unit settings, a whole lot of illegal things. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty much just boils down to the idea of if you were willing to do this, how far were you willing to actually go? Oh. God. Yeah, because with something like this, you can't argue that, oh, well, it wasn't a big... It wasn't a big advantage, so it's not that big of a deal. This is a huge deal. This is what I'm saying. How how deep does this run? That's the million-dollar question, because this... Could be a lot more a, than a million. 
Could be a lot more than a million by the end of the year. It sounds like it. It sounds like it could be some shit. And, like... It, like... It's... One point of this is... For for the Japanese Grand Prix stewards, this is their, the end of their investigation. The best they... The most they can do on their own is disqualify them from the race. What the FIA does after this point... Don't know. <laughs> it all depends on how deep this runs, and as you guys mentioned, if they can uncover video evidence from Japan and match it to other races. At best, yep. this is all it's going to be. At worst, bye, Reno. See you next year. It sounds to me like they could be getting the call to go to the big building with the blue door on the front. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. And that could get very, very ugly. Um, so I would I would certainly keep half an eye on that going forward because again I I I don't think um I don't think we've heard the last of this. No, and keep like in mind years. as well, beyond you know after next year, Renault is the only team left with Renault power units. If this could potentially yeah. trigger them to leave the sport, we don't just lose a team; we lose a whole engine manufacturer as well. Oh, yeah, but there'll only be two left in the sport. Three. Three. Oh yeah, three. Wow, my brain. We, we know Honda. Ha- Honda, is, How dare you? Honda is a forgettable engine manufacturer in this day and age. <laughs> oh dear. How dare you, King? How dare you? So so mean. <laughs> but uh, no. Again, we'll. Be, I, I got a feeling we. We'll, this is this is the lot. The last we're going to hear about this story. So hey, hey. Keep listening to the show, subscribe, and all that good stuff. And hey, we'll probably pick it up again, maybe in a fortnight's time. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But yes, Renault out, at least for one race. <laughs> I just race. realized something yeah. else. Sergio Perez crashed out of P9 on the last lap and finished P8 because of this. <laughs> <laughs> he crashed in. He crashed into eighth place. What a boy. <laughs> Genius. Why didn't I think of that? It's like playing F1 2019 online. It's that's, fantastic. That's, that's Look, st- galaxy brain racing <laughs> point overtake. There are there are brains big enough for this. <laughs> oh dear, I I, I I I got nothing for you here, folks. Um, yeah, shout out to Conrad O'Keefe for mentioning that on Twitter. Loyal Patreon backer and all round swell guy. Um, so we'll leave Redo to. Uh, smolder in their ashes for a bit we'll take a quick musical break and then we'll be back to talk about the MotoGP Japanese Grand Prix and guess who dunked on the field again I'll give you a hint, it wasn't the Vizioso he said like, in response to the end of my last segment, Vic in the Discord goes, Lorenzo? <laughs> now that's just me. <laughs> Says the man who finished in 17th this past weekend after claiming improvement. <sighs> it is an improvement. He was 19th before. <sighs> it was ugly. Uh, but, uh... A, a, a certainly a mixed bag of a weekend in Japan. I mean, again, Friday practice was relatively trouble free but then we got a very wet Saturday um, some of the leftovers from Super Typhoon had, 
I got this um had an effect on the on the weekend, but only the Saturday. Um, thankfully, so we actually got a uh, wet to dry qualifying session uh, for MotoGP, which Mark Marquez put on pole because hey, you're shocked at this point, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, Who could have imagined? I know, I know. He qualified on pole, his ninetieth career pole in all classes. By the way, um, <laughs> ninety. 90 pole positions. It makes Lewis Hamilton look like child's play. <laughs> oh dear. Yes, 90 career pole positions uh, for uh, for Mark Marquez. Ahead of uh, all Petronas uh, second and third, Frankie Morbidelli and Fabio Quattararo sharing the front row. Um, it was somewhat of a tactical race um, when he got to the race itself. Um, yeah. Kind of, sort of. For a couple of riders. Yeah. At the front, at the front, it was uh oh Marquez led into turn one. Oh Quadraro passed him. Oh Marquez passed him back. Oh he's gone. Yeah, that that was kind of along the short of it. Fabio, you know, thought, hey, let me try and punch Marquez in the nose in the early going and see if I can take the race by the scruff of the neck. Marquez was having none of that. Um, Marquez Sparta kicked him in response. Yeah. And uh, basically paced himself out to about a two-second lead, and he pretty much held it to the flag after that. Uh, yeah, Quattararo was keeping him honest for a while, and then Marquez pulled the pin, and I think he pulled half a second in one sector, and that was just it. Yeah, yeah, that was the end. Like it's, it's like Marquez was playing possum with him all along, and ended up winning the race fairly comfortably by a point eight of a second in the end. Um, on the podium in front of Fabio Quattararo in second. You must be getting really, really sick and tired of getting beaten by Marquez over the line again. Um, Alexander Rossi of MotoGP. Oh, God. Poor fella. Third, second place in the last four rounds for Fabio Quattararo. Uh, more on him in a minute. But uh, he was also on the joined on the podium by Andrea De Vizioso, who celebrated his 100th Grand Prix podium. So congratulations to him um, on the 0-4 himself. Uh, another solid ride, making the most of a weekend where Ducati were kind of nowhere, to be honest with you. So um, for him to fish that one out in the end was, again, another solid result for Dovi in the end. Um... We're not going to beat around the bush. This wasn't a classic by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but uh, we have to talk about it. But we do. I mean, I think I think we have genuinely gotten to the point where people are getting a bit tired of Marquez winning now. <laughs> I'm not. I'm loving this. Me too. I think it's great, personally. He gets to debut cool helmets and new t-shirts. He wins. No one else has an answer for him. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this. Yeah, uh, I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to buy that helmet, and then I saw the price for that helmet. I'm not oof, buying that helmet. Nine hundred quid. Uh, nine hundred. Have fun it's with a that. Nice helmet, though. It's, it's a fucking nice helmet. It is. It's more than I'm making a week. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's double digit wins for the year for Marquez. Now his tenth win of 2019, and also another bit of history. He ties Mick Doohan for 54 top flight victories. Mighty Mick himself. Mick, who dominated the 90s. Like, Mick, who came close to sweeping a couple of seasons on the two-stroke Honda. Yeah, where the only opposition was like Yukawa and Alex Crivier, his teammate. And that was it, yeah. basically. Yeah, the, the guy who only stopped winning because he had an injury so bad he had to hang it up. Yeah, in 1999. 
at her F, and uh, he probably would have kept going for a couple more years yet, but he, he, he got a bit too dinged up over the years. Poor fella. But uh, yeah, Mark Marquez, 54 top flight victories already. And it's only his seventh season in the top flight. Again, these numbers... He's 26! <laughs> I know we have a knack of mentioning this a lot, but these numbers are just... This is just fucking outrageous. This it is ridiculous what he's doing right now. Um, he's just dunking on the field again and again and again. Um, it's it's nuts. It is absolutely nuts. Um, and yeah, the the all time points record is about the only thing that's got that's left on the table at this point. If he keeps if he keeps going the way that he is, he's going to smash that. Yeah. Like this, if he get if he runs the table, it's four hundred and twenty five points. When there's yeah, only points when, per race, because obviously there's more races now than there was mm. when Lorenzo set the record. Points per race, he's going to smash that if he keeps winning. Yeah, four hundred and four is the magic number to beat Lorenzo on points per race. I think Lorenzo had twenty one point nine points per race, the which is better than a second place on average, basically. Um... To put that into perspective for you, um, yeah, uh, to, to run it down the championship standings real quick, Mark Marquez has, like, I'll get to the race result first, actually, because it's a bit more fun that way. Marquez beaten Fabio by 0.8 of a second over the line. Um, comfortable win in the end for him. Again, uh, Dovi third, as mentioned, 100th career podium for him. Maverick Vinales a little bit further back. That mid-race yips got him again in fourth. Cal Crutchlow, one of his better results of the year. He beat Frankie Morbidelli in a drag race over the line through Victory Corner. Um, which is, by the way, my favourite name for a corner on the entire calendar. Love that, Mategi. Um, <laughs> but uh, Crutchlow beating Morbidelli over the line in a drag race for fifth. Morbidelli, as mentioned, in sixth. Alex Rins in seventh. Good ride for Joe Amir in eighth on the other Suzuki, by the way. Danilo Petrucci in ninth. Jack Miller, tenth. Jack Miller, who ran very well early on, but as we learned, he put a pair of soft tires on and they melted like 15 laps into the race. Brave from Jack. I will I will, I will say that. Um, it's it's a classic case of, I'm Jack Miller and welcome to Jackass. Unfortunately, this is when the stunt went wrong, basically. Um, which happens a lot on that show, funnily enough. Um, Paul Espargaro in 11th, Miguel Oliveira 12th. Big news coming out of KTM we'll get to very briefly um, later on. King's like, what the hell is my factory doing? Um, It's it's a complicated one. I'll get back to you on that. Yeah. Um, uh, (laughs) It's it's a hot one. Uh, Francesco Bagnaia in 13th. Mikacalio 14th. KTM was running a third bike as a wildcard this weekend. And Alicia Spargaro in 15th place, barely in the points. Which we should talk about. Because, oh, um, oh, Aprilia, just stop trying if you're going to be like this. So, two busted engines over the course of the, of, of the race itself? Have I got that yeah. right? Yeah, an engine issue for Aleish, which crippled his pace, because he actually had a pretty good qualifying effort on that bike. He did. And an engine failure, which tossed Iannone tumbling into the gravel. Christ. And this was these was two brand new engines. Way to go, boys! And Elisha uh, <laughs> Spargaro was not hiding his frustration, saying on uh, I believe Instagram, "I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel." Ay ay ay! 
That's Alicia Spagaro, who has a reputation for being one of the best developers of a bike in the field. As, that, a, as a great man once said, you can only polish a turd so much. I'll have to mention this as well, because we've mentioned Andrea. Did anybody see the tattoo he got on his Instagram page the other day? Hmm. No? Oh! You guys are in for a treat. Tr- hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of, I've heard of it. Oh, we're going to love this. Here comes a live reaction in the Discord server, everybody. Three, two, one. <laughs> oh, Shout out to our friend of yours, Kevin Walsh, for this one. He put it on his Twitter account yesterday. But uh, it's a screenshot. Zoom in on the chest area, which is already not a good thing to, th- thing to say on an audio medium. <laughs> but uh, I believe the quote we're looking for here is, The Maniac Incorporated Risk Away Since 1989. That is tattooed across, oh, his, across his chest. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I just. Wow. Wow. Wow is all that can be said. <laughs> and I love that he got it in English too. I think, I think that's hilarious. Like, it's obvious Andrea Iannone is going to be one of those Italian models that, like, makes copious amounts of money after he hangs it up. Like, it'll be like those Italian models that get their nuts out every two seconds. It's going to be hilariously awkward but that is uh, one of the most obnoxious motorsport tattoos I've ever seen <laughs> ever uh, and I've uh, seen Kevin Magnuson's dick tattoo that looks like Brock Lesnar's like it is <laughs> yeah yeah I just I just found the uh, I just found the Alicia Spargo quote technical problem no words I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel oh no you have broken a leash the most wholesome Lady, man in GP. Spargo Brothers, who may be the best bad bike riders I've ever seen. <laughs> between what he, between what Alicia's doing on the Aprilia and what Paul is doing on the fucking KTM. Yeah, that's that's not an unfair statement. Um, that's that's painful. Good God. Um, yeah. Um, it's a good thing that Iannone's too uh, preoccupied with his modeling career to complain about the Aprilia. Indeed, indeed. Uh, the, the bike racing on the side is no big deal. You know, he'll 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 get over that, no problem whatsoever. A um, couple of observations I wanted to point out. I have beef with Fabio. Like, <laughs> oh, here we go. And I know he's like the most wholesome man in MotoGP fan circles. He's because he's got he's he's the, he's the bright-eyed, bubbly-faced Frenchman. I get it. You don't get to celebrate Rookie of the Year with T-shirts. No, no. <laughs> really? You know, you know how uh, Mark Marquez celebrated his uh, Rookie of the Year? He didn't. He celebrated his first championship in MotoGP. <laughs> he did. That he did. Gold helmets and everything's great. Um. Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. Like look. Look. I, I respect it. Fabio locked up the Rookie of the Year title. Um, in terms of points scored, he cannot be caught in the championship fight for when, it, when it comes to him versus the rookies. Of course, the Patronus team all broke out. The MotoGP equivalent of participation trophies, hence a Rookie of the Year t-shirt. This is not worthy of t-shirts. I don't care what you tell me. <laughs> Especially when, despite the preseason you know, hype around a few riders, this rookie class didn't end up being that deep. No, it was really a group of two in the sense of, well, 
we kind of knew Miguel Oliveira was going to struggle on that Tech Free KTM. Mir's been very middle of the road, and if anything, we overegged the pudding on Francisco Bagnaia real hard. Um, his testing times on the Ducati were exceptional, so we all we we all bought into Bagnaia on on the Pramac, and he's been. Well, he's destroyed. 15th in the cha- he's he's fifteenth in the championship right he's now. He's been destroyed by the other Pramac rider. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for, for perspective, Banyaya has thirty-seven points. Jack Miller has one hundred and twenty-five. Um, yeah, it, it's a it's an unholy clobbering, so to speak. So hey, I'm not taking anything away from from Quattararo. He's been excellent this season. There's no, there's absolutely no issue about that. But I do have to sit here and say. No, you don't get a t-shirt for Rookie of the Year. Come on. <laughs> That's barely a title worth celebrating. Oh, dear, oh, dear. They'll give anybody a trophy these days. Um, rest of the field real quick. Takanakagami, 16th. Best of luck to him for the rest of the season. He goes, he goes off now to have shoulder surgery. Um, Johan Zarco will take his seat for the remainder of the season. Good luck with that, Johan. Um, Jorge Lorenzo, 17th. 40 seconds off the win. In a weekend where he claimed there's been big movements and improvements made this weekend. Again, there has been. He was 19th before. And he was even farther away from his teammate who is... uh, It's just just not good. You know what's sad as well? I saw when it came to the paper talk section today um, for like MCM and bike rumors... That uh, he's been given the vote of confidence from the uh, from the Honda board, which is we all know is never a good sign when it comes to these things. If anyone knows football, they'll tell you if the board is giving you the vote of confidence, that's not a good thing. <laughs> Christian Horner has entered the chat. Oh no! And then um, he just kicked a member of the chat out. Yep. <laughs> Carol Abraham, 18th. Fafis Sire in 19th. And the last of the finishes was our friend and yours, Ginters. Sylvain Gintoli, 20th on the third Suzuki, who was actually chucked out of Friday practice for running a 2020 engine. Way to go, Suzuki, for bending the rules. <laughs> Gotta love hey, it. Hey, it doesn't matter if you get disqualified if the session doesn't mean anything. True. True. Why not, right? Why not? You see, <laughs> Re- you see Renault? That's how you run something illegal. Yeah, see, if you're going to do it, go all in. <laughs> do it during the races, too. Um, <laughs> as as mentioned, two DNFs. Andre Iannone was chucked into the gravel early on. And the only other DNF, Valentino Rossi, who binded at turn one with five laps to go. Um, another miserable weekend for the Doctor. Um... You know, after big hype, he was he was debuting a, a, a new braking technique. Cam, he was using two finger braking now. Hmm? He's using two finger braking, and he <laughs> changed some parts around. I believe he stepped away from the carbon swing arm and went mm. to a different exhaust, and he was still the slowest Yamaha by a large margin. Is he cooked? I'm starting to think Rossi might be cooked. Funny you mention that, because someone else far more qualified than any of us to speak on the topic is also thinking that Rossi is cooked. Who? Rossi's own former crew chief. Yeah, and many, 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 many time con- uh, crew chief con- uh, champion, Jeremy Burgess. Yeah, veteran, uh, this is a, a story from Autosport posted a couple of, uh, couple of days ago. 
um, saying that veteran engineer Jeremy Burgess was by Rossi's side for all seven of his Premier Class titles, the two working alongside each other from 2000 up until the end of 2013. For the 2014 campaign, Rossi made the decision to shake up his crew and Burgess made way for Silvano Garbacera, who in turn will be replaced at the end of this season. Rossi is injuring a difficult campaign on the works. Yamaha having slipped to 7th in the standings, behind teammate Maverick Vinales and the Yamaha of star rookie Fabio Quattararo. Yeah, that guy. And, <laughs> and Morbidelli isn't that far behind in the point standings. Indeed. Burgess told the official Australian Grand Prix website ahead of this weekend's Philip Island race that Rossi's bad qualifying form was a particular worry. The 40-year-old has started on the front row only twice this year and has an average grid slot of 8.5 compared to Vinales' 4.5 and Quattararo's 3.9. To be fair, those are the other two best qualifiers in the field, but still. Um, he has perhaps hung around a little bit too long, Burgess said. The concerning thing is, and the sad thing for me is, he is finishing about where he qualifies. We never used and to worry. We never used to worry if he qualified tenth a few years ago. We knew he'd pick up four or five spots and be on the podium for challenging. Whether that is another step down the slippery slope or not, who knows? Rossi suffered his first DNF since the Dutch TT in June last during last weekend's Japanese Grand Prix where he was running 11th until he crashed at turn 1. It's a bit more difficult because after a few good, fairly good races we've had more problems in the last few rounds, reflected the Italian, who is without a podium since April's Austin race. Unfortunately, I made a mistake today, but we'd like to be quicker to fight for better positions. It was a difficult race because my pace was not great. My potential could have been to be with Alex... Rins and Cal Crutchlow in the fight for fifth, but at the start I was already behind on the grid and then I lost some positions even on the first lap, so I wasn't great to be able to get back on track. Is he cooked? I'm starting to think he's cooked. And and Vic, Vic yeah. mentioned this in the chat, and we've mentioned it before, it's that Rossi has never been an all-time qualifier. No. His key has always been Sunday. It's always been his race pace. He has sixty plus career pole positions, but that dried up in the in the late two thousands very quickly. Yeah, and a lot of those was also on a you know a Honda that was far and away the best bike on the grid. Gotcha. Absolutely. Anyways, Rossi's yeah. race pace is starting to leave him, and that yeah. has always been his ace in the hole. And if he can't get it back on track, Yamaha has to look at putting Quattararo on the factory bike. And with Vinales doing what he's doing, you can't get rid of him either. Vinales is still spearheading the team right now. He's actually recovered quite well in the second half of the season and got some Yeah, solid... Vinales is putting the bike on the front row every other week. On the front row, hovering around the podium sort of range. He's had five straight races now where he's finished either third or fourth. You yeah. know, and it's, you know, He's not quite top Yamaha, but he's he's carrying the factory team right now, and that's all you can really ask of him. Um, you can make a legitimate argument that the 2018 Yamaha with the current engine is better than the current Yamaha chassis. And that is wild, to say the least. Um, it's 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 a lot for that the Yamaha team to comprehend, but uh, hey, Lynn Jarvis has had to have the hard chat with Rossi once before in his career in 2010. Uh, when Lorenzo won his first title, and he and he told Valentino straight up, "Be a number two rider, take a pay cut, or leave." Rossi chose to leave. Um. <laughs> and then, and then two years, 
in the words of Jonathan Frakes, they never happened. Yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't speak of him on Ducati. But um, this that combined with another new crew chief, this really does feel like Rossi's true final roll of the dice. Um, I said this when he left Jeremy Burgess in 2013. Um, because when he came back to Yamaha the first year he came back, he struggled. He was the clear four fastest man in a, in a, in a field of four. No one yeah, else was the only, within GPs Yeah, the only then. bikes worth a damn were the factory Hondas and the factory Yamahas. Yeah, and the three race winners in the field was either Lorenzo Pedrosa or Marquez. It was never Valentino. Or rarely was it ever Valentino. He was good for one, two wins a year until 2015. When, yeah, and ooh. and really, you know, in this second stint at Yamaha, he's had two really good seasons. 2015, where he just came up short of the title. However anyone feels on that, leave that out of this. Mm. And then 2016, where he was very good, but he and Lorenzo beat each other with a stick so badly that Marquez came and took the title from both of them. Pretty much. So there's a lot of, of potential ugly to uh, dissect out of that as well. Um, there's a couple of little minor stories I want to get into before I get into the proper constructive standings as well. Speaking of Maverick Vinales, apparently he might be top of the list for Ducati potential targets for 2021, which is interesting. Um, I, I think Ducati, in terms of bike and team, is kind of a lateral move. But for Ducati... Davizioso and Vinales as your lineup. Mm. Stack them up. <laughs> it's tasty. It's a very tasty team. Dovi is still top Ducati by a country mile. You know, they've got a lot of names hovering around those bikes. Jack Miller is not bad. I'm not convinced Jack Miller is the full article, or if you will ever be. On that he sort of having, Dovi level. He has flashes. He has flashes yeah. of absolute brilliance, and then it disappears for six races. But that's the problem. This is like year five of Jack Miller in the top flight. Like, yeah. you know, he should and at be the, the same finished time, article. Yeah, and at the same time, you look at Dovi, and he is he is so good in so many areas, but you could argue he, does, he maybe doesn't have that last little bit to take them to the top. And Maverick Vinales is one of the purest, fast guys in the field. In terms of outright speed, he's up there with the very best. Remember when he got on the factor Yamaha and he started the season like, oh, he's going he's gonna to walk this championship. I thought that too when he made his debut until the whole, his whole season fell on top of him in the, mid, in the middle part, basically. Um, it all went to shit at that point. But um, no, I completely hear what you're saying. Um... Maverick and him would be ahead of a team and if Maverick's sick of the Yamaha shit and he can step aside and maybe let Fabio control Yamaha from a from a talent standpoint that might not be a bad way to go once Valentino Rossi inevitably steps aside which I think will probably be at the end of next season um, yeah. and if that's if Lorenzo can't get his act together on the Repsol Honda that's probably the best lineup in MotoGP probably I'd say so James of Standings, real quick. Mark Marquez, 350 points. Fourth straight win, 10, 10, 10 for the year now. Again, as mentioned, 384 would be the all-time points record. 404 would be 
an all-time points per race record. Davizioso on 231. His second is all but cemented. Um, if he finishes five, if he finishes within five points of Alex Rins um, at the next, and Maverick Vinales at the next round at Phillip Island, he will take second overall for the third consecutive season. Alex Rins is now level on third. With Maverick Vinales, they're both on 176 points, but Alex Rins is ahead on countback. Two wins to one. Dino Petrucci has 169 points. Nice. Nice. Fifth. <laughs> Fabio Clorin is way up now at 163 points in sixth. Valentino Rossi on 145 in seventh. Um, Jack Miller in eighth on 125. Cal Crutchlow on 113 in ninth. And Frankie Morbidelli cracks three figures. And rounds off the top 10 on 100 points. Also worth pointing out, Honda has a constructor, has 356 points, and cemented their 25th career top flight constructors championship. So congratulations On the back of basically one rider. Yeah. Mar Marquez has been their leading scorer for every round of the championship, bar one, and that was at the Circuit of the Americas. Where I believe it was Cal Crutchlow finished in. I think it, I think it was. I wasn't Crutchlow. I think it was Takanakagami who finished in tenth that day. Yeah, and that was with. Uh, yeah, because three of the Hondas crashed out with uh, engine braking issues. Yes. So yeah, Taka was the only other time this entire calendar year when Marquez wasn't their contributing scorer. Because in, in, in MotoGP constructors' terms, only the leading bike counts for points. Basically, so of the 356 points Honda have scored this season, Marquez has scored 350 of them. Yeah, <laughs> kind of says it all, really. Um, <laughs> so yeah, congratulations to Honda wrapping it up on home turf. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, yeah, 86 point lead over Ducati in second. Fun fight between Ducati and Yamaha for second. Ducati on 270, Yamaha on 268. Fabio might single handedly claw Yamaha back up into second place. That could be quite funny, wouldn't it? Um, also, if you want another terrifying stat of the day, Repsol Honda are only 17 points behind Ducati for the team title. And this yeah. is this is where you know Petrucci Petrucci needs to be better. Lorenzo yeah. really needs to be better. <laughs> to point it these out, these two are fighting. These two are fighting out at the front with basically one and a half rider each. Yeah, it's it's wild, and yeah, Ducati has four hundred points as a team. Repsol Honda has three hundred and eighty-three. As mentioned, three hundred and fifty of those points have come from Mark Marquez. He's only seventeen points off Ducati as a team. He's only 50 points behind, and he has one less bike. That is ludicrous. <laughs> Absolutely insane. And if um, he keeps winning, and Petrucci keeps, you know, getting fringe points, he could realistically close that gap and win Honda another triple crown. It would be a long shot because he'd 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 have the seventeen points behind Ducati in the in the team in the teams in the team championship, but it's not unthinkable. They need Lorenzo to get some points, but because uh, Petrucci is doing just enough to keep the points on tick over, basically. But uh, yeah, terrifying stuff. Before we get into Moto Two, real quick as well, we got to mention there's been a big reshuffle at KTM. Um, big reshuffle. Oh no! Oh this no. <laughs> thing, though, 
big shout out to uh, a, a certain someone who we know who may or may not be in head office at Dorna, who may or may not have spilled this a day early, but it will be news by the time this goes out. Um, so Thank you, production delays. <laughs> There's something I thought I would hear on this show. <laughs> but here we are. Um, I can Aquona is going to Tech Freeze MotoGP team next year. Yeah, I'm as surprised as you are. <laughs> Boy, I got a quota. Who, in case you, in, in case you're not sure, currently sits as 11th on the uh, Moto2 Championship standings right now. He'll be taking the Tech Free KTM seat alongside Miguel Oliveira next season, which everyone's now probably raising their eyebrows, going, "Wait a minute!" So if Miguel stay in put, who's getting the second factory KTM seat? Oh, no. Call forth Lord Bender. <laughs> Lord Bender himself. Brad Bender is going straight to the factory team to replace the vacancy of Johan Zarco. I have to say, in the context of what's going on, that actually makes some sense given Bender has been a perennial solid Moto2 rider for a couple of years now. Why not? Um, I... It's a shame for me because I think Miguel Oliveira has ridden very, very well under the radar pretty much all season long on that Tech Free KTM. But uh, I also get the logic of, well, if you've got the quota coming in, you might as well bump Binder up and give him the proper big boy bike and see how he goes, basically. And as well, Tech 3 is almost functioning as uh, KTM Factory 2. Pretty there really much. isn't much difference between the bikes. That's Uncle Poch for you, you know. He, he knows what his role is. He's all about developing the young riders, and so good for him. King, what do you make of your team being a hot mess? Again, uh, again. At, at, at least they got someone to ride the second factory bike next to me. At least they're not forced to enter one bike because no one I else mean, will step onto it. <laughs> to be fair. KTM's hands were tired when Zarco pulled the plug on his contract. Every, like like 90% of the field was already either in talks or already had their seat confirmed for next year. Like I know people are saying this is a, this is a really uninspiring sort of signing for KTM. This was the best they could do, really. Yeah. With how late Zarco left, there was not a whole lot they could do. Yeah, he quit the team in sept- he quit the team in September. They didn't have a prayer um on that one cuz City season in GP standings is earlier and earlier these days. Um, by that logic alone, um, yeah, they were always going to have their hands tied on this one. But uh, hey, let's see how the gets on in the top flight next year. You know, that'll be interesting to keep an eye on, as well as Lord Binder on the factory KTM team. That's exciting. Brad Binder and Paul Spagaro. Fun team. Fun team. Quickly, we'll wrap up the other two results real quick. Moto2, um, a good race in the end, a good leading fight between Luca Marini and Thomas Lutti. The former coming out on top, so back-to-back wins for Luca Marini in Moto2. Um, he's Valentino Rossi's half-brother, it's never mentioned. Um, <laughs> never. <laughs> never. Um, Thomas Lutti, the gatekeeper, in second ahead of Jorge Martin, his first podium in Moto2. Well done, Jorge hey. Martin. We like this kid. He's extremely fast, and uh, I'm glad he finally had a weekend where it all came together for him. Um, 
watch out for him next year. If he gets his shit wrapped around that KTM, it's going to be... Well, not me, not KTM, for obvious reasons. But, uh... <laughs> they're out, baby. You know what I mean. Um, if he wraps his legs around that Triumph and does well with it, keep an eye on it. Because he, he, we all know his Moto3 pace was apocalyptically fast. Um... So keep an eye on that. Uh, records or checkers, Lorenzo Baldazzari in fourth, ahead of Jorge Navarro, fifth. Alex Marquez, who we have to give a shout-out to before... <laughs> Save of the decade, maybe? Hold! Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's fighting the racing guards. The racing guards are trying to what? claw this title away from him. <laughs> I just know, the, the commentary but... call was fantastic. Oh, and that's a massive crash for... No, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, and then I don't blame the commentators because 99 and a half times out of 100, that's a hellacious accident. Um, if it's, if it's, you haven't seen it, go out of your way to see it. Randy Mamola, eat your heart out. It's one of the best saves I've ever seen. It is absolutely ludicrous. Um, it's gone. It, it's on Saturday during the wet. Massive, massive amount of acceleration going through the Triumph. It's, it's looking like a classic high side. Marquez flips his leg over the fairing and in very in a very similar fashion to Nicky Ayo when he had that miraculous save at Assen a few years ago in Moto3, just slides with his, with, with his boot and he's still holding onto the handlebar pegs and he's able to get it stopped as he goes over the finish line and he's able to continue. It is a miraculous save. It's one of the best I've ever seen. It is absolutely insane. And he had a very similar one during the race on Sunday as well. He, he was able to save that one too. Yeah, Alex Marquez is kind of doing his best to be the old Alex Marquez. And somehow he keeps saving the bike, but... He can't save them all, can he? Well, <laughs> he just needs to save them a couple bit. He just needs to save a couple bit more. There was, a, the there was a couple of moments in the race where it's like, oh, well, that's a championship league gone. Oh, no, it isn't. But that's just the terrifying part of it. He practices that. Yeah, the Marquez, this isn't luck. The Marquez brothers do this. Practicing at home, so when it happens in the race, they don't panic, they don't lose their cool, they just pull off these ridiculous saves. <laughs> it's four-dimensional chess. It, it's it's ridiculous. They, fl- they they practice this during their flat track training. They are they are playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. It, it's ridiculous. Those two. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, so yeah, if you haven't seen it, go out of your way to see Alex Marquez's saves. It ended up on bloody Sport Bible here in the UK, which, which never happens in bike racing. So hey, Alex Marquez actually went viral for a bit. Great to see. Jakub Korn fired eat your heart out. Anaya Bastianini <laughs> in seventh. Augusto Fernandez in eighth. Marcel Schrotter ninth. Uh, Stefano Manzi rounds off the top 10 ahead of DJ Antonio. Brad Binder in top had a very big save of his own and unfortunately ruined Sam Lowe's race by uh, snapping his handlebar. Poor fella. Um, very unlucky for Sam Lowe's on that one. Uh, Somkiat Chantra 13th. Dominique Agata 14th. And Andrea Locatelli rounding off the points in 15th place. A lot of DNFs, mind you. Nagashima didn't make it past the first lap. Tulovic, Bulliger, Lowe's, Vierge, Laquona, Gardner, Bezecchi, and Pasini all did not make the flag. It was a race of attrition in Moto2 for sure. Still, 
With everybody else pissing on each other in the Moto2 title fight, Alex Marquez still has a 36-point lead with three rounds to go. It's looking... It's just looking like Marquez is going to limp his way to the title. By oh if, you, if you know the, the clip of uh, the guy running through the minefield... Yes. With, with explosions <laughs> happening all around him. That's Alex Marquez running away from the explosions chasing him. Yeah, because like literally two through six keep beating the piss out of each other to the point where no one can take the title by the scruff of the neck and they're running out of rounds to do it. Marquez is, is limping home with third... Like, his last five races, DNF, because he crashed at Silverstone, third in San Marino, third in Aragon, and now... Fifth and sixth in Thailand and Japan. He's got a 36-point lead, three races to go. The way the field is spread out right now, it, he's probably going to limp it home. Uh, basically, all he's got to do really is not crash. Which, which again, of course, is a big question with Alex Marquez. Like Marquez is going to win this title with that block of winning five in the middle six races when he had. When he won at Le Mans, won at Mugello, won at Catalunya, won at the Saxon Ring, and then won in Brno, and then that was it, basically. Like, I'm taking this title now, bye, <laughs> basically. And uh, no one else can catch him. Thomas Lutie's back up into second on 198 points. Um, in second place, the gatekeeper doing gatekeeper-like things. Um, Fernandez in third on 192, Navarro 186, and Brad Binder 184, and Luca Marini on 176. So 20, 22 points covering second to sixth. So, like, you can see the sharks behind Marquez in the background, but no one can be can put consistent. The sharks are eating each other, not him. Yeah. Fellas, fellas, the praise that way. <laughs> like, Jesus. <laughs> He's getting away, you morons. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Alex Marquez with a 36-point lead. Looking comfortable with three races still to go. Moto3, another big swing in the title race. Lorenzo Dalla Porta um, winning by just under a tenth of a second. And Aaron Canet not making the flag, crashing out with six laps to go. Um... If we had a title fight, it just got called. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, boys. It's over. Uh, Dalla Porta beating Alberto Renaz and Celestino Vietti over the line for third. Um, another fun leading group of five over the line. Tatsuki Suzuki in fourth. And uh, Sergio Garcia, not the golfer, in fifth. Um, in the end, ahead of John McPhee, John Messia, Marcos Ramirez, Alonso Lopez, and Andrea Mino rounding off the top ten. Um... Again, it's a 47-point lead now for that Porter in the championship. It was two points after Aragon. It's now 47 due to back-to-back DNFs for Canet. Canet has had the one win Aragon surrounded with three DNFs in the last four rounds. To be fair, Thailand really wasn't his fault. Um, yeah. Neither was Silver. Canet's been very unlucky. Um, in um, by all accounts, and Dalla Porter's got hot at the right time. Um, but that title fight is now basically over. In fact, a win for Dalla Porter at Phillip Island will guarantee him the championship. Um, so, championship point for Dalla Porter at Phillip Island this weekend. He's got a 47-point lead on Aaron Canet on 182 to better Dalla Porter's 229. And Arbelino is in third on 161. Whew. Deep breath, everybody. Um, 
Not the most captivating weekend of action, but a fun time nonetheless. MotoGP is back this weekend for round two of the flyaways at... Oh, I love Phillip Island. Oh. Everyone who has a way to watch this race, watch this race. Phillip Island is so good. It's not a race, it's a punch-up where occasionally a motorcycle race might break out. My um, favorite, my perhaps my favorite race in the modern times, the 2015 Australian Grand Prix. Which oh, what a race. The, the fact that they took that off their YouTube channel is a crime. They, they only <laughs> gave it away for free for a year, the tight bastards. Um, Motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> Go out really... of your way to watch it. It's going to be great, yes. and Marquez is probably going to win again. Yeah, probably. Especially um, with uh, especially with the 2019 Honda being a bullet in a straight line. Yeah, in a, a track that's mostly anti-clockwise. Um, have fun with that, basically. Um, Unless it gets rear-ended again this year. Ooh, that's that's true. Thanks, Johan. Welcome back. Um, don't fuck up the Honda. What turns um, out to be the most notable thing Zarco ever did. Hey! <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, keep an eye on that. Phillip Island should be fantastic. It's a fantastic race. Go out of your way to see it if you have not already. Whew! Fellas, let's get into the news real quick and then we can get out of here. Um, first up, a big spicy one that broke out over Twitter and whatnot over the past few days. A departure in the Red Bull Driver Academy. Yep, it's a big Pat one. gone. After being signed, yep, after being signed earlier this year by the Red Bull Driver Academy, Pato Award is leaving the Red Bull Driver Academy. And, uh... Uh... This got a lot of opinions on each side so i'm pretty sure he could go back back to when pato got signed we did we talked about how helmet marco claimed that pato ward had enough super license points to be in formula yeah, one yeah um about yeah. that uh pato actually has zero. Oh, because um i don't know if they read yeah hold up just, just stop right where you are king this has happened twice this year. <laughs> Does nobody read the scoreboard these days? No one at Red Bull, apparently, because, remember, Tictum, before he was tossed out of the academy, was put into a series that didn't actually give out super license points. Yes. And then, so, as this has happened where <laughs> Indy Lights, the championship that Pato has that they thought Gave away super license points. Uh, it doesn't. Yeah, because uh, the International Sporting Code dictates that for any series to be eligible for super license points, it needs to have at least 12 full-time runners. Indy Lights, when Pato was champion, had seven. Uh-huh. <laughs> also, when Pato was champion of Pro Mazda the year before, uh... It wasn't one... In terms of full-time entries, they only had eight. 
Actually, no. That two was also seven, because somebody left halfway through the year. So, um, Red Bull. Pato has zero super license. So, Red Bull, um, read the fine print. So, so, in other words, are we all saying here that Red Bull has goosed their Drive Academy again? <laughs> yes. How do they keep fucking this up? Like, seriously? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, maybe they thought they could sweet-talk someone at the FIA to make these championships count. Oh my yeah. god. I, I just had a very bad mental image of Dr. Marco and the Fry Festival. Um, <laughs> 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 um, Anyways. You know, you know, you, you, if anyone's seen that documentary, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Poor Andy. Anyway. Um, <laughs> oh my lord. <clears throat> Um, yeah, they goosed Pato. There's no point in him being in that driver academy now because it's going to be virtually impossible for him to get a super license unless he walks into Formula 2 next year and wins the title, which is... Let's... Well, well, he doesn't have to win the title, just finish in the top three. Yeah. That's pretty uh, unlikely next year. <laughs> Given his relative lack of experience in those sorts of cars, he probably would need another year would be the most realistic scenario, you'd think. Though, though, in an interview with Racer Magazine, Pato Ward says he was told to leave the Academy for a very specific reason. Oh? Uh, apparently he's had... Uh, it's, it's unconfirmed as of the recording, but Pato... Apparently Pato's been offered a seat in IndyCar. Oh! Not just any seat. A seat that's painted the proper color orange this year. <laughs> you sure about that? Uh, to be determined. True. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. Oh boy. Well, to be fair, if that's what's on the table, yeah, Pato, get the fuck out of there. Run, run for the hills. Go get your money. Ooh, wait, McLaren IndyCar team of James Hinchcliffe and Pato Award. Mmm, spicy. <laughs> and now delicious. Dre Dre needs a minute. <clears throat> sorry, sorry. I was at half mast for a second there. Um, <laughs> whew, I'm gonna take a breather on that one. But uh, we like Red Bull has found a uh, fair replacement um, in Super Formula for him. Right, King? Yes, Yuri Vips will be making a one-off appearance in Super Formula at the season finale this weekend. Bitchin'. Yep, and obviously people have been criticizing the move because a lot of people think that, hey, is Yuri Vips going to be in Super Formula next year, not Formula 2? This might be a bad move. And I'm thinking that, like, this is just a one-off appearance. This doesn't confirm anything. Personally, I don't think he should be in the Super Formula next year. Yeah, it's like, instead of going into F2, Red Bull's trying to turn uh, the Red Bull-sponsored half of the Mugen... Honda Super Formula team into their junior formula team. Sounds about right. Uh, and like, I mean, uh, it, it, it's complicated. It's very complicated. Because, like, Facebook state is complicated. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, that's like, Vips is very good. Uh, like, he was fourth in, you know, Formula 3 this year like most people have already pegged him to be a 
well, if not champion in Formula 2 next year, at least rookie of the year in what a, it's going to be a monstrous rookie class in Formula 2 it next year. It really is. Stack them up. <laughs> it's going to be loaded, son. It's going to be lit. But yeah, we'll talk about that when the time comes. Oh, yeah. We'll save that for Christmas. <laughs> We'll, we'll sit around a campfire and talk about how stacked the uh, Formula E title. Uh, sorry, Formula E. Sorry, my bad. Formula Two title. Well, I mean, Formula E is pretty stacked, yeah. but both but both could apply. <laughs> yeah. Quite frankly, um, both could apply. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm down, to say the least. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm here for all of that. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's going to be fun. Um, Okie dokie. Um, King, talk to me about speaking of Formula E. Um, oh no! It looks like another round could be in jeopardy here. One involving Santiago. Uh, you you were censored. Yeah, for yeah. I, I was wondering if that was me. <laughs> the or government's if that was... tapped my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to stop us, King. Quick, tell us about the situation. Okay, so basically, uh, since October fourteenth. There's been large-scale civil unrest in Chile's capital, Santiago. Uh, The spark to this uh, unrest was due to the raisin fares to the Santiago Metro. But it's it's not just over that. They're not just rioting because, you know, they're not rioting and protesting over just metro fares. Um... it's largely due to, uh, in, you know, increased cost of living, inequality across all of Chile, uh, and pretty much the immediate response from the government was, uh, hey, let's call a state of emergency and deploy the army. Of course. Oh. Well, that sounds like a fair and balanced way of sorting Because that, right? that is always the perfect way to fix problems in your country. Just call the military. Yes, yes. And uh, there's been widespread violence from both sides because the army has been using live rounds and so, so far killed 17 uh... people. Oh, no, 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 no. And pretty much uh, most of Santiago is under martial law at the moment. Uh, Doesn't seem to be calming down anytime soon. Uh, Formally has not, you know, formally stated that they're monitoring the situation. Monitoring, they say. Yes, because not only is Formula E going there in January, but uh, the United Nations uh, Committee on Climate Change was was also supposed to meet in Santiago in December. Oh, boy. And uh, many people have cited that this is the worst civil unrest in the country since uh, the end of Pinochet's military dictatorship. But besides that, it sounds great, right? Uh, if you like, you know, just, you know... If you ignore... Innocent it, people getting hurt, and like... If you ignore everything, everything is fine. Yeah, if you ignore everything, everything's fine. Just ask the NBA. Oh. 
Gang. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Ask the Jets. <laughs> and the Yankees. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. So, yeah. Probably not getting a race in Chile. So, uh... Yeah, we'll see how this this plays out. I love that the immediately goes, bring back Punta del Beste. Oof. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. I would be okay with that. But yes, uh, also it should be noted, specifically because this affects Formula E directly, uh, in El Generation Chile, uh, they're, a major, they're a major electric company in Chile, and they also uh, sponsor Formula E itself. Uh, their corporate headquarters was burned. Uh, oh, yeah, that's kind of a kind of a problem, ain't it? What do you mean, kind of? <laughs> that, that that sounds like a big fucking problem for us, as I'm concerned. Yeah, and uh, also, I don't know. There there have been reports from people actually there saying that some of the uh, some of the atta- like some of the Attacks from protesters might have been false flag, you know, attacks from the government. False flag. So, like the government, yeah, where like uh, government officials pose as protesters and attack locations. Oh my god! And obviously, uh, this started over the metro. uh, Pretty much, almost all. Uh, 164 stations on the Santiago Metro has had attacks, and the entire s- system has had to be shut down, forcing people to uh, walk home from wherever they were in the city when the whole system was shut down. Jesus Christ! Well, this sounds like it's this sounds like a totally rational thing that's going on right. This now. sounds like, like the really- perfect place to hold a Formula E race. Oh. Yay! We're saving the planet, yo. <laughs> <laughs> saving the planet and save, save the planet not the people or something etc basically yeah have fun with that everybody um, meanwhile King F1's down with the kids oh no F1 is down with the kids if you live in a certain part of Europe because F1 has signed a one race deal with Twitch to stream the Mexican Grand Prix Twitch yeah! watches F1 Fuck yeah, suck it, ninja. Um, (laughs) Though, the Mexican Grand Prix on Twitch will only be available in Germany, Switzerland, Luxembourg, and uh, Denmark, Sweden, and Norway. I think it's still a step forward in terms of F1's uh, social media involvement. I think it's time we cash in one of our 15 million advertisements for for NordVPN at this point. <laughs> like, Nord, if you want to sponsor the podcast, by all means, give us a code. I mean, you've, never, you've not given it to anybody else, after all. <laughs> right? And I mean, like, uh, it's... Fr- from the press release, it doesn't seem like it's going to be just straight up, we're streaming the world feed on Twitch. So what are they making it sound like, then, King? Uh, remember last Formula E season? <laughs> oh no. Are we talking like guys on a couch? Uh, I don't know, but... King? They have, uh, 
they're in a partnership with uh, a German Twitch personality. So, oh god, no! Oh god, I, I no. don't know. <laughs> no, 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 no! We're not doing this again. <laughs> but what if we are? Okay, cancel the VPN. We're just gonna stick with David Croft. It is painful. No, no, no. Enough Twitch-related shenanigans, as, as Jason puts in the Discord, okay? Enough of that. I mean, I we might as well just, like, get that VPN. Just take a peek of what it's like. Just take a peek of what it's it like. It can't be worse. Into- There's no way it can be worse than Porsche's launch of their FE car. <laughs> Good game, you guys. GG, everyone. Okay. <laughs> And, okay, actually, I got the press release in front of me. I'm just going to read out part of it. Oh, God. <laughs> because, like, they heavily imply that there's going to be some degree of interactivity. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Can we not here? Yeah, quote, As part of the deal, interactivity and gaming elements will be added, will be added to the broadcast gaming elements? to really drive engagement from the community. Gaming? Like what? Each session will be co-streamed by a select group of prominent in-market personalities. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> We're gonna have friggin' someone in a very low-cut crop top promoting their premium Snapchat while, while FP1 goes on in the background. <laughs> this is not what we... S- <laughs> F1 will also include uh, a data extension alongside the broadcast that allows users to predict performance, predict the performance of drivers during 10-minute segments of the Grand Prix. The predictions will then be ranked and displayed according to their accuracy... Um, <laughs> providing an interacting, interactive gaming element to the broadcast. We, we couldn't just settle for, like, Bazinga of the Sidemen, like, talking about how much weight he's lost for the 15th time? No? We, 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 we nope. have to have a prediction league instead. Which, to be fair, sounds like it could be better than most shit. I'm, 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 I'm stretching here. Like, this is... Because <laughs> this, like, honestly, like, this does not sound great. And uh, it it sounds very it sounds it sounds very mediocre to me. I and mean, it seems like there's a lot of technical stuff that could easily go wrong here. I think that's why they specifically chose those regions. Why they chose like uh, you know German speaking Europe because you know. Uh, not a lot of pe- like yeah a lot of people have VPNs but like not a lot of people are going to be like. Uh, you know, be fluent enough in German to be like, I'm gonna illegally stream this race in German to watch it into on Twitch. It ain't that deep, bro. <laughs> Twitch plays Formula One, but real life. Twitch plays. If you it's like, it's like if you got a VPN, wenn du Deutschsprecher, then you could watch. Then you could watch that one on Twitch. How much of that was King just flexing the fact he knows some German? Come on. <laughs> My German is very poor. It is extremely That's poor. a flex, and I don't care what you tell me. <laughs> ah, ah, wunderbar. Okay, okay, King. Flex, flex, flex a bit harder. Tell me about the uh, w, w Series grid for Season 2. 
Well, shocking no one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good start, isn't it? <laughs> shocking no one. All 12 drivers who automatically qualified to participate in next season's W Series by the performance in this season's W Series all took up the offer, including Jamie Chadwick returning to Defender Though uh, Chadwick has also hinted that uh, this is not the only thing she'll be doing next year, so who knows if she's actually defending the title full-time. A full bit of free. Okay, but of the six new entrants, <laughs> uh, there's some interesting names. There is uh, notably the Grand Tour test driver, Abby Eaton, will be in the W Series next Man, year. Man, she changed a fucking tune, didn't she? <sighs> <laughs> It's like she, she she had to cape for the fact that she 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 had her mind changed on the series. All I'm saying is she clearly saw the prize pool and had other ideas. <laughs> saw the prize pool, the cost to actually get in, which was free. Yeah, like a low low, low price of nothing. Hello, free money. <laughs> you know, especially given your role on the grand tours now redundant. <laughs> Just saying, like it's kind of a no-brainer if you're Abby Eaton. Like, what, what, what you don't like free money? <laughs> like... <laughs> also, there is uh, uh, Bruna Tomaselli and Isla Agron from. Hey, Agron. Uh, well, nice. Yeah. So, uh, Bruna is Brazilian. Isla is Norwegian. But they both transferred over from the U.S., where they were both on the road to Indy. Well, actually. Isla last raced in the road to Indy. She hasn't raced competitively in two years. As noted, the last time the W Series did driver selection and uh, the driver that Isla spots for, Pippa Man, was not happy that Isla was not selected. Of course. And then we get down to the three other drivers who are uh, very, very young and all participated in Spanish Formula 4 last season, so there is uh, Belen Garcia, who I believe actually got a race win in Spanish Formula 4 last season. She's the oldest of the three. Who's t- she's 20. And then there's Nerea Marti, uh, also from Spain. She's 17. And then there's uh, Inra Serdokova. Uh, she is a 16-year-old Russian who's backed by SMP Bank. Oh, there will be no jokes made about that one whatsoever. <laughs> Trust me on this. <laughs> so, uh, this uh, this entrant class whole lot younger than last year's class. I think they're. I think uh, yeah. Uh, Agron and Eaton are the only two drivers over the age of twenty one. <laughs> yeah, sound like, again a bit of a no brainer. I mean. Like, I know a lot of people were boiling their piss about this, um, about the other season two grid being revealed. I will say this, I admire the W Series ambition. I don't think this is going to be the, the feeder league that they want it to be, but on any level, it's a nice, safe space for women to race and make a bit of dosh on the side and, you know, fun careers or fun other seats. And that's okay, you know. I am totally okay with that. Like as long as we're as long as we're honest about what it is, I am totally okay with that. 
And uh, this won't be the end of driver selections, because apparently there's still two spots open. And no, they're not reserve spots. Those Those two remaining spots will be race seats. Aye, aye. So are we going to get some of the guys from season one that might come back and have another go? I I don't know because mm. they just they just said hey two seats TBA. I, I hope I hope we don't get another cringy clip of Shea Holbrook saying it's the best day of her life again because oh no, <laughs> oh god, <laughs> that that made me cringe last time. Just just saying, it, it it feels like the W series has moved on from that. Yeah, sounds like it to me. Uh, I'll cut in for a couple of seconds here to talk a bit of bike news we haven't talked about too much in the week. But, uh, hey, British Superbikes is a thing. And Scott Redding wins the British Superbike title over Josh Brooks by just six points in the end. Um, shout out to Josh Brooks. I think he triple-headed the final weekend that Brands Hatch. I'm just going to double-check that. Because I must admit, I've not been paying full attention this year because it's, it's just felt a bit flat as a championship this year without Leon Haslam and Jake Dixon taking part who obviously were the two leading lights of last year so yeah Brooks triple headed the final round that Brands Hatch won all three races but still lost out in in the end by five points to Scott Redding in the end he had 697 to Josh Brooks 6, 692 Tommy Bridewell was third in the end in the championship on 636 um, interesting, interesting one. I don't, know if was, I don't know if anyone's actually seen these celebrations yet, but uh, Scott Redding doesn't do half measures. Um, he had a throne ready for him on the uh, grid at the end of the race. Um, a throne, a king's crown, and uh, a proper coronation ceremony um, on the grid, which I thought was uh, quite funny. So, uh, well done, Scott. Um it's a fun one. Obviously, he'll be he'll be shooting off to uh, World Superbikes next year on the uh, factory Ducati seat alongside uh, Chaz Davies as Avara Batista leaves for Honda. Um, so, congrats to him. I hope it works out because deep down, as much as I don't like to admit it, I kind of like Scott Redding, and I kind of want to see him do well. He's he's a bit of a frat boy, but he's got a good heart, and that, and I kind of like him for that. I've always kind of had a soft spot for Redding for that sense. Um, so I hope he does well in Worlds next year. I'm not entirely convinced he will, given he had a lot of trouble dealing with Josh Brooks on the domestics front, and Ducati were completely dominant in BSB this year. Like It was not Ducatis. close. They destroyed yeah, the, three, the field. Yeah, destroyed them. The three uh, Ducatis of Redding, Brooks, and Bridewell destroyed the next nearest man, and that was Danny Bucken, who had a couple of wins this year um, in fourth in the championship overall, but Bucken was a distant fourth compared to everybody else. Um, so I'm not entirely convinced on uh, on that one either. Um, but uh, it's going to be an interesting dynamic because I don't want to get too deep on this on this show because um, this, this isn't bike live, but. We all know BSB system is different when it comes to worlds and how their bikes are regulated. BSB doesn't have electronics on their motorcycles in their series, while World Superbikes does, and that's going to be a problem for Redding and the learning curve of that coming through for, towards next season. Um, and this has been like that's been the series' way of trying to keep it competitive uh, by having no electronics. 
And this has been the first bike, this Panigale V4, that has completely busted that series wide open. Because um, let's, let's weigh it up here. Bridewell in third was 50 points ahead of anybody else in a seven-round showdown championship format. Yeah. Um, nobody was close. But hey, we'll let British Eurosport and BSB figure that out because uh, that series is an enormous boys club. Uh, basically, have fun with that. Uh, and also, I gotta give a shout out to Christian Iden, who won the paperweight. I'm bringing back that old bike live joke from the, from back in the day. He was seventh and won the Riders' Cup. So congrats to him. He beat Andy Irwin by a point. Enjoy your paperweight, Mr. Iden. Congratulations, sir. Um, so congrats to Scott Redding. Hope he does well and well to next year. Good luck against Johnny. I think you'll be needing it. Also, I don't know if you saw the news yesterday that came through as well, fellas. Leon Camier joining the Barney team for next year. So he's going he's to be on a Panagale next year as well. That could be fun. <laughs> the ambulance chaser himself on a Panagale V4. Mmm, that should be good. Um, Cam, I, I'm giving you the, the keys and the honour of your first Fight Club segment, if you like. It's in the chat, if you haven't seen it yet. I have not. Let's have a look. Okay. At the end, <laughs> after the end of the NASCAR Xfinity race at Kansas, well, Cole Custer and Tyler Reddick, they weren't too happy with each other. Whoa! Oh, we're watching it now. Oh, we got, we, we have, a, shall we say, aggressive hugging. Um, there was some aggressive uh, hugging that went on. Um, there was a dog pile, and I think Reddick has, has climbed out of the dog pile looking a bit sheepish. And the crews, like, again, it's mostly the crews that were going at it here, which I think is quite fun. The, the crews are scrapping. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's like the crews were more willing to throw hands than the drivers were. <sighs> That's surprisingly common in, uh, in NASCAR. It's like, Keep watching. You get a start. You get the start of the fight as well. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, hang on. I'm, I'm waiting for the video replay here. Here we go. Is this, is this another angle? Uh, yeah. yeah. So square up, hand on the shoulder, and then, yeah, grab by the neck, and yep, left starts, buddy. <laughs> cap comes off, we have some ag aggressive hugging, and then the crews are trying to break them up, and then it all ends up on the floor. Uh, <laughs> we have a dog pile. We've got a couple of NASCAR officials in white jerseys looking, looking mean, and yeah, that's a... <laughs> I love that Riddick is just grinning as he grabs his man by the neck. I love that. That's uh, quite sadistic. <laughs> uh, yeah, very aggressive hugging. Uh, I think is, is I think is the, is the meme of the day here. Um, Cam, what led to this uh, minor case of fisticuffs? Yeah, um, Tyler Reddick, who ended up finishing second to uh, Brandon Jones, who no one is acknowledging his first win in uh, Xfinity because well he crashes a lot, but still. Nice to see him win. Um, Custer and Reddick had an on-track altercation. Custer came off very much the worse out of it. He felt a bit aggrieved. Uh, a bit aggrieved, you say? Yes. <laughs> and that led to uh, to uh, a, a fracas after the race. <laughs> yes. And in the cup race. Oh, it was such a fucking mess. Of course, Kansas is one of the cutoff rounds for the uh, hashtag playoffs. Ooh, okay. And there were many events during the race which culminated in championship implications. Ah, uh, there's the RJ phrase. RJ? Try Rick Allen. 
That works too. <laughs> and That's coming cool. to the last lap, after a horrible, boring, no good race, the last ten laps produced all kinds of drama, but coming to the last lap, there is a crash coming to the line, and you swear, one of the NASCAR officials had to have their thumb on the button. Uh-oh. There's no way they didn't, because they called this caution instantly. Denny Hamlin was half a car away from making the race official. Right. And so, are you claiming that they may, uh, they might have like lifted the lid on uh, the I'm not claiming button? anything. There were some people, who I will not name, <laughs> claiming that they photoshopped the, the video of the caution lights. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> because it really was that close. But as a result of them absolutely having their thumb on the button to throw a caution in the event that there was a crash. So over time. Yeah, because they, they threw that caution way earlier than they normally yeah, would. Yeah, it took half a second for them to press the caution button. As a result... And, and, uh, and I'm going to assume that means overtime then, I assume, right? Yes. Yeah, because if, if the lead car had made the last lap, the race would have been official. Yeah, no whatever there's the next flag the fact the that race. there was one lap to go. One lap to go, as we know, sponsored by Credit One Bank. Of course. <laughs> you get another restart. Yep. Yay. <laughs> well, before, had the race been made official, Brad Keselowski would have been in for Penske into the next round of the playoffs. However... Chase Elliott was able to get enough points, and Brad Keselowski had a horrible final couple of laps, including hitting the wall. Just by the skin of his teeth, Chase Elliott makes it to the next round of the playoffs. And Penske, for once, doesn't actually come out on top of things. They still have two cars in the next round. They're probably still going to shithouse the championship. They're Penske, for God's sake. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Sounds like a hot mess. Or as everyone else calls it around here, NASCAR. Yeah, it, it. it was a display of everything wrong with the current playoff format. But hey, I guess it makes the viewers watch. Those ratings, gotta love them. Um, <laughs> no. Um, also, King, before we get out of here, F1's been vetoing some shit. And it's not just Renault's Japanese Grand Prix results. <laughs> Get your mans. So, as widely publicized, uh, Formula One management wanted to try out the idea of having reverse grid races <gasps> to set the starting grid for the Grand Prix on sa- on Sunday. So, essentially, they wanted to try trial the idea at uh, three races uh, next season. Uh, the French Grand Prix, the Russian Grand Prix, and the Belgian Grand Prix. Right. Basically, the the way the reverse grid Saturday race would be set would be simple reverse driver's championship order. And that apparently was the sticking point for a lot of teams. How dare you do well? Yeah, where uh, some of the teams proposed a compromise by the reverse grid being set by your best time in practice. And if anyone who just thinks about that idea for just 
two seconds. No, it's breaking the major news. Flaw of breaking setting, news. Setting a reverse grid race by practice King. times. All right, Dre. Yes, I'll see it. I'll see it. We have breaking a statement Ren- from Reno. <laughs> oh, I love this show. We, got, we, we were minutes from going off the air, and we have a statement from Reno regarding the, the, the story from the top of the show, in case you've missed it. Um, yes, um, Renault being disqualified from the Japanese Grand Prix result. They have released a statement. Renault acknowledges this decision of the stewards of the Japanese GP regarding the protest by Racing Point concerning the legality of Renault F1 team's braking system during the Japanese Grand Prix. Despite the FIA concurring with Renault that the system was entirely legal under the FIA technical regulations, it was judged by the stewards that the system was in breach of the FIA sporting regulations regarding driver aid. Both Renault cars were disqualified from the Grand Prix, and the team loses the nine points scored. However, considering the subjectivity of the qualification of a system as a driver aid, and the variability of the associated penalties in recent cases, Renault will consider its next course of action within the time frame laid out by the FIA. End statement. Also, we have news out of AMUS. Within the time frame, that's like... That's less than 18 hours. Like, they're yeah, gonna... And we have more out of AMUS. Mm-hmm. They believe oh, that no. Racing Point knew about such a Renault system since the summer break. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they... the thought is that a former Hulkenberg engineer switched teams. <laughs> no. This is amazing! This is some dark matter shit right here. Oh my god. Um, King, get your mans. Get all of them. Get them and get them the fuck out of here. There's a whistleblower in the Reno camp. I didn't have to go to. I didn't have to go to Endstone to burn it down. It's burning on its own. King, talk to me. <laughs> I I don't know. <laughs> don't don't know. We have left bad. Ryan and her king totally speechless. King is dead. Long live the king. <laughs> <laughs> king has been stunned into complete silence. <laughs> For the first time in 218 episodes... <laughs> this is a landmark moment for Motorsport 101. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. And on that note... With the, with that might be a good note to end on. No, no, we gotta talk about the reverse grid. No, no, no. I'm, I want to call this now. It's for comedic effect. I'm getting the hell out of here. Like... We'll talk about it on next week's show. <laughs> this is this is hilarious. I'm not even going to plug the end of the show like I normally do. You know where to find us. Thanks for listening, everybody. I've been Andre Harrison. They've been Cam Buckley and Ryan Eric King. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week <laughs> to talk about the Mexico oh Grand Prix, God. which could be Hamilton's coronation and MotoGP at Phillip Island. Thanks for listening. Sayonara, everybody. <laughs> You fucking failures!
Oh my! In the words of the rated R superstar Edge, "You're all big fat failure turtles." <laughs>